0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Everyday Millionaire podcast. My name is Patrick Franci, and I'm the CEO and managing partner of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor. I'm a coach, a husband, recently a grandfather. Now, along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've achieved by continuing to elevate in living a fulfilled life by making a positive difference in my world. I'm going to invite you to join me as I delve into the details of the many wins of my guests in achieving their goals, along with, shall we say, the frustrations of the occasional teal gone wrong, because my guests are here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them in business and investing in real estate from the life they're now able to live to the person they've become along the way as they pursued their dreams and having the freedom they've gained by building a sustainable financial future for them and their family. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Before I introduce my guest, I must first start by thanking you for listening in and for your support and the feedback that you provide us on the show and to continue to encourage you to send your comments your suggestions or your questions directly to me at ceo at RainCanada.com. that is ceo at r-e-i-n canada.com as well if you're inclined i'd really appreciate it if you were to share this show with your friends your family other people you know and perhaps even people you don't know as well please rate the show and comment on itunes stitcher and soundcloud Whatever platform you happen to use to listen in. And while you're at it, you may as well follow us on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page where you can comment, like us, share us, and overall help us promote the show. So thanks again for the feedback you provide the team and I. It is sincerely and definitely appreciated. My guest today, Donald Ward-McCarty, is a long-time Ray member who resides in Toronto. Donald grew up in Ireland where, from a very young age, his mother, who was a special needs teacher... Always emphasized the importance of a good education in anything one is to do. Although Donald's mother passed away when he was still a very young man, she bequeathed to him a gift, a legacy, that sadly she would not be witness to, but what would play an integral part in the inspiration that would set Donald on his path. And it was the gift of real estate. Now, many years later, Donal often shares with others his story and journey as a realtor, as a real estate investor, why and how he came to live in Canada, and how a single humble home that his mother left for him was foundational in his journey of investing in real estate and to achieving many of his long-term financial goals. Now, since immigrating to Canada back in about 2003, Donal has continued to pursue his education as a realtor, as a real estate investor as an entrepreneur, and even far more than all of that. Please enjoy listening in. Donald McCarty, welcome to the podcast today. Everyday Millionaire, welcome to the show, pal.
1: Uh, Thanks so much, Patrick. It's great to be here. Very humbled. Thank you.
0: So, Donald, you're we got lots to talk about i always feel like we have a lot to talk about with our guests or with my guests because they're so darn interesting and have always got something cool going on but i always want to open with uh get to know you and one of the easiest ways to enter that conversation is you know do you have a 60 second uh, elevator speech or two minutes so if somebody walks up and says donald what do you do uh
1: what do you do (laughs) well um Well, primarily, uh, I'm um, a husband and uh, father to a young three-year-old. I am a real estate agent in Toronto's downtown, and uh, obviously, I'm I'm passionate about that, and also um, uh, real estate investing and knowledge, uh, hunt for knowledge, always learning. You know, if we're never learning, we're, 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 uh, we're not progressing, not moving forward. Education is huge for me.
0: So on top of uh, being a realtor, a real estate investor and uh, father, husband, all of those things, you, when you get a chance, you're also a musician. And there's a, there's a part of it that you know, over the years that I've gotten to know you, because you're also a rain member and have been for a number of years. And, uh, and I've seen and had the opportunity to, uh, watch you play. And, uh, I know that in behind all that, there's some music that you're kind of passionate about as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, music has been in my life since I was a child. Um, Grew up, learned classical piano. Then in my teens, of course, rebelled, picked up the electric guitar. Guitar, learned that. Uh, Had a band in university. Pretty much closed that band as we finished university because I went to work and live in another town. Shortly thereafter, about four years after I moved out of that town, I moved to Canada. But music has always been there. Very passionate about music. Um, It's a constant in life. So even though I'm not playing very much right now, being a father, I'm enjoying discovering music again and the great tools out there for again educating yourself and what's what's out there in music and the progression of music. So yeah.
0: So let's go back a little bit. I mean, you uh, you you obviously have a uh, an accent, an Irish accent. And uh, let's go back a little bit of you. Where were you born and raised, and uh, when did you come to Canada? And. Give us a little bit of background, because then I want to dig into the real estate side of it, uh, what it means for you to be an investor.
1: I mean, I grew up, um, you know, middle class, uh, middle class, working class family. My mother was a teacher. I grew up in Cork City in Ireland. Cork would be in the south of Ireland, the Republic of Ireland. It was my mom was a single mom and uh, she struggled. She struggled all the way and and I guess she passed on that that you know knowledge was very important. She insisted I get educated, you know, as I mentioned in my teens, I was the rebel, got into guitar and playing in bands and stuff, and you know all I wanted to do was go off and be a rock star, but thankfully, she had the foresight to say, no, 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 you're going to go to college, you you're going to go to university, so honestly, I had no clue what I was going to do in university. So I ended up in engineering, microelectronic engineering, in an university. Did four years of that, graduated, and went into that workforce. But the story behind that, um, which I guess is, is is what really brings me to the, brought me to the direction of what I, where I ended up in Canada and in real estate and all that, is you know um, my mother struggled her whole life financially to pay the mortgage, put food on the table, you know. Um, but, uh, and when I went into university, uh, she was actually diagnosed with terminal illness. Um, it was actually metastasis of cancer. She'd had about a cancer about 18 months before when I was in secondary school. We thought it was all good, but it came back uh, very poignantly the day I actually started university, she got the news. So it was a four-year battle of looking after mum. She was a... Uh, a very strong woman, uh, although she was given three months several times, you know by the by the oncologist. look, you know, he'd say, I really don't think you're going to last that long. Said, nope, I'm staying right here. <laughs> I'm going nowhere until my son has uh, a stability beneath him. So she did. she she battled it for four years until I got my degree until i got a job and i actually started my job and i was in my job about four weeks uh with a big international uh american firm uh who were based in limerick in ireland and uh, she passed right and there was a lot of relief as well as grief with that sure as you can imagine yep i sure can yeah so i didn't really have any business acumen you know i was a student i um you know, I was, I was educated to be an employee and that's what I was. I was an employee in a big international company. But, uh, what my mom, I don't think knew she did for me was she left me with, um, an asset, a real estate asset, which was fully paid off mortgage-free. And I didn't really know what to do with it.
0: Was that your, the principal residence that you were raised in? Exactly. So you went to university in Ireland and your mom, you said she struggled. Was she working or she wasn't working? In a...
1: She was. Yeah, she yeah. she she had a very stable job and and, and a consistent income. Um, she was a teacher.
0: So the reason you know for listeners and and just for context for you as well, Donal, is that I often dig into the backgrounds of what we call everyday millionaires, seemingly ordinary people who have achieved some extraordinary results. And one of the reasons I do that, back to the education side of it, is to share with people that. There's so many backgrounds uh, that people have and there's so many journeys that people are on and that wherever you're hearing this from, whatever inspiration or aspiration you have for success is that it isn't limited to how you were raised. It isn't limited into your belief systems or your stories that, you know, that you, how you were brought up to There's always that opportunity to change. There's always that opportunity to shift. So when we talk about, you know, Donald, where you are today as a realtor, as a real estate investor... What I, I really want people to hear in these kinds of conversations is about the journey, because life is happening. So you're growing up and you've got a mother that passes. And uh, did you know your father, by, by the way? Did, was he at all yeah, of in your course, life? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, my father, um, you know, he just, uh, he checked out in life. Sure. Uh, d- didn't uh, contribute um, both to society or to, to us as a family. So, you know, uh, we took the route of just my mom and myself.
0: And and that is the fundamental difference of the seemingly ordinary is that that achieve results is they, they're not, they are perhaps a product of their upbringing, but they're not limited by it. They're, they actually break away from old patterns. They understand that they're not limited to what their dad taught them or even their mom taught them or the, the environment that you were raised in. It's always our choice to change and to evolve and to grow. So, in, enough of that. I, I just wanted to point that out because as we talk about your upbringing in Ireland and your mother's passing, did you have siblings as well, Donald?
1: No, it was just it was just me and and my mom.
0: And then, so after your mom passed, she left you with a property, your your home. It was paid for. You saw that as an asset at the time. So there was somewhere. Well, I didn't. I didn't. That's that's, that's,
1: that's kind of where the story takes a left hand turn in traffic lights. Um, I remember the day because my mom was a bit of a hoarder and we had to get rid of a lot of stuff. And I remember sitting on the couch with a good friend at the time and I had to make a decision. okay, do I sell this or do I hang on to it? And it was the best decision of my life to hang on to it so oh,
0: you did hang on to it and so you cleaned it up did you rent it out did you cleaned it
1: up rent it out because i was living in another city and and um i remember the first few times that that income arrived in my bank account that was the huge light bulb for me um that's a point i can look back in my life where things just changed. if there was one moment it was that moment and because it was a paid off asset, most of it was was cash flow in a way your expenses were minimal. Did you realize um, at the
0: time? Donald, sorry to interrupt, but I I like that's to. That's okay. So, what did you realize at the time that that was to take that on was also an entrepreneurial move? Like, did you see that as I'm going into you know I'm I'm actually now deciding to be an entrepreneur in that context? Was that was that an awareness you had? Do you
1: think it, it's. It, Maybe in a little bit of time, because around about I do have some uncles who are entrepreneurs. Uh, I have two my, two of my mother's brothers were vets; they ran their own practices, mm. um, and another uncle of mine was into real estate. Although he doesn't tell you much about what he does, but he was he does he has acquired you know um, real estate assets uh, throughout his life. And at the same time, rich dad poor dad was hitting the market. I remember one of my uncles said, "Why don't you?" Um, rich dad, poor dad. why don't you just have a read of that? So I might have realized it straight away, but soon thereafter, having read that book, I realized, okay, there's a whole world here I don't know about and I need to educate myself.
0: You know, isn't that interesting? That book, by the way, was also my entry into the world of real estate. And uh, I share just a quick story, which was we, uh, my wife, Stephanie, and I shared that book with our bank manager when we are going for our first mortgage on a piece of investment real estate, which she thought was intriguing. And uh, we we shared that book with her and it actually opened up a whole conversation for us with our bank manager at the time that we were dealing with on mortgages. So anyways, we we go wow. straight, but that's a, that was a really rich dad, poor dad, I think to this day is still one of the biggest catalysts for people in the world of uh, entrepreneurship and and real estate investing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it told it told I guess a lot of a lot of people, regular people, how our society is structured yeah. from an employment perspective, and from a wealth perspective, and laid it out very simply. And anyway, so yeah, they they that book, and I started to read some other books, and um, but yeah, it was a huge light bulb. And I remember asking myself the question: How many of these paid off assets do I really need to sustain retirement? Sure. Because I was working as an employee, uh, just starting out in my engineering career, and I had this other income coming in over here. And, of course, that that duality created the question of, okay, at some point I'm sure real estate could replace working as an employee. And the book on top of that, that started the the love and the passion for for what real estate can do for people. And I, I would love the opportunity to, to, I don't think my mom knew what she was doing, I think she would be frightened for me to have left my engineering job. And the irony is, is she provided me with an asset which actually gave me an avenue to leave the stable job, you know, the stable job you stay with, you know, for 40, 50 years, which was what most people in her generation did. And uh, yeah, the, uh, you know, that's that got me into real estate.
0: So, you know, so think about that now, you know, think about what the power of that real estate likely your mom uh, gave you that particular home and asset, and her goal was only to get it paid off, so she didn't have a mortgage payment, but always had a, a roof over her head. That was probably her goal at the time. It had nothing to do with, you know, an investment opportunity, likely, and it may have. But what you said there was that you know that one asset was really. Kind of a tipping point or the catalyst, perhaps, that allowed you to what move to Canada? To did you sell that particular property? Was did you leverage it? Do you still own it today? Where is it at?
1: I, I have since sold it, but uh, I, Canada was a complete fluke for me. Um, one thing my mother was passionate about was traveling, um, and actually a story of way back from my teens. Um, she actually had gotten me uh, the family, uh, to a, a visa to live in the United States legally and work. In my teens, of course, the states, government, immigration saw me as being educated in Ireland. And as soon as you get educated, you're coming over here and be a producer in our country. So having gotten a job in Ireland, I soon had to hand that actual ability in, my social insurance card, let's say. So I would kind of lost hope on that. And, um, you know, I did want to travel. I didn't know where. I mean, you have to look at it. I was in my early 20s. I'd lost... I'd lost my mother. I was a confused, a very confused 20 year old boy. So I didn't really know what I wanted. I was getting disillusioned with being an employee. Um, but I remember taking a trip to Canada just to visit uh, a friend of mine who was uh, he had left university to come over to do his postgraduate in sociology in University in Toronto. So I just came on a whim to visit him with another another buddy of ours and uh, coming and, and staying in downtown Toronto. Uh, in a small little rental that he lived in and experiencing, you know, the culture, the food, you know, that diversity that Toronto had to give was, was huge for me, you know, little, uh, little white boy, boy, Irish guy with, um, you know, we've pretty much got a monoculture in Ireland comes with its good comes with it's bad. But, um, I consider myself a very open guy, very willing to try out everything. So when I came to Canada and downtown Toronto, it was an eye opener for me. And it really, you know, I really thought very hard. This is something I really need to entertain.
0: Now you, so I'm, you, I'm glad I did. Yeah. So <laughs> you so you you came on that trip, you went back to Ireland, and then at that point you had made the decision to come back to Toronto.
1: Well the decision took some time. I mean, obviously I had um I had to figure out things with the the, the real estate, you know, my the principal residence that was being rented out. I had to figure out, you know, leaving my job, what was I gonna do in Canada? So there were there was about two years where I actually came over and back a couple of times, would stay spend a summer, and one of those summers was actually when I um, started, okay, I want to learn real estate. And I believe that, you know, this was the best. And I didn't know it then, but looking back, of course, I'm just, I consider myself quite lucky. Like when I saw certain real estate courses in Canada, I was intrigued and there's nothing like that in Ireland. And I just loved what, particularly rain, and this is not a peg for rain. I'd gone to other courses and they were scary. And I left the room running, right? And then one, remember you used to go to actually the, the, the cash flow game. Um, there, there, was a, there was a group of people who played the cash flow game and uh, I used to go to that and of course networked and eventually I heard about Rain, and I just said, oh, I'm going to go check them out. And I think it was in April of 2004.
0: Yeah, it would have been you close did, to that. You yep. did your
1: first acre yeah, or 2005, I can't remember which, which year. And that just blew my mind because being, having an engineering mindset and, and really wanting to dig into things and processes, I knew I was onto a good thing. And uh, even though I wasn't resident in Ireland, I started investing, or resident, sorry, in Canada, I was, I was here on holidays, I started to uh, refinance the house in Ireland and started to play around, try out some different things, you know, buy and hold, uh, flip yeah, so I knew then my mind was made up. I'm going to live in Canada, so I started working towards getting my my landed immigrant status and started taking my realtor courses so that when I got my landed immigrant status, I could start the ground running. And now that's, that's a, what happened.
0: Those are pretty bold moves for a young man to make. you know you you didn't have a relationship with your dad, your mom had passed. Did you have some guidance in that time? Did you have a mentor? Were you close to your uncles? Where were you getting some of your guidance from? Or were you just figuring shit out for yourself?
1: (laughs) Figuring shit out for myself, I think. One of my uncles thought I was nuts. (laughs) Where did I get support? Um, I don't know. I think it was a path I had to travel, Patrick. Um, Sure. Ireland, um, as much as I love the country, um, there was something I needed to get away from. Sure. Sure or maybe not get away from, there was something here in Canada that I, I embraced. Um, you know, um, Bono always said it in an interview years ago, and I, I still often remember that quote. He said, you know, you come over to, let's say North America, the US, you know, and, and you have the, the guy up on the hill sipping coffee, you know, in the morning, and he's got his Ferrari Parker outside or whatever, whatever wealth picture you want to create. And the guy down on the hill, you know, looks up and says, I'm going to get there one day, mm-hmm. you know? same scenario in ireland <laughs> the guy on the street looks about, looks up and goes i'm going to get that bastard <laughs> <laughs> and and it's true you know it's that it, it, there is that that element of of uh, you know the crabs getting out of a bucket one sure. starts to get over the other will pull them down yeah yeah there is an element of that and and um you know, I had uh, going to rain and obviously working on your vision board and and what do you really want in the different areas of your life. You know that that inspired me to 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 really want to stay here, and uh, I mean rain and uh, at the time Don was key figure. You know, I, I looked up to him for guidance. Sure, if I needed a bit of guidance, I'd pick up the phone and call him.
0: Now, when you think about you know the, it's probably only in reflection that you can see it, but you know, where, where was the, where was the fork in the road for you? Do you think around coming to Canada and getting into real estate? Do you, you know, was the fork in the road truly the first time you came to Canada and and then you were starting to make the conscious choice at that time? Did you, after your first trip to Canada, you just, did you just really in your mind go, I got to get back there somehow? Or was it, or did it just kind of grow over time where you finally just said, I'm, I'm done. I'm going, I'm hardcore going to Canada, no turning back.
1: Yeah. I think it grew over time. You know, I'm i I'm a slow burner. Yes. I live in the entrepreneurial world, but I also live in the, you know, if you know the disc profile, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still that high S, you know, so I'm a nurturer as well too. So I'm, I'm kind of the the live in both of those worlds. So for me it had to it did have to be a slow kind of a slow burner for me um and then you know as things happened i acquired my first property i i, I joined ventured on, on a flip here and a flip there you know i was in business with some folks it just all started to just it's the snowball effect and then at a certain point i said this is where i want to be i'm not going back you know
0: So when you look at the journey in the, you know, a the community, uh, the relationships that you, you likely grew within the community, take me back a little bit, let's say to 2004 or five, when you started getting into, into the Toronto slash Southern Ontario kind of real estate market, what was happening back then? Was it, you know, was it, uh, you know, was it all roses and wow, this is going to be amazing. And we're on a ride, we're in front of the wave. Or for you in your recollection, was it really frightening? And you're going, I don't know where this real estate market's going. So how was how was it that you were drawn into the real estate world in terms of optimism and being a realtor? And and what did you see back then that said real estate's the thing for me?
1: Well, well, I think what what I I saw, and I even try and impart this to my clients, first-time buyers. Uh, now, regardless of whether they've been interested in investing, whatever, I just say, look, I got a picture at 22 of how real estate can impact you 30 years down the road. You know, and, and I felt very privileged and, and you know, um to have had that experience, but I trusted and knew in that. Right. And then uh, uh, then add to that what Rain brought to the table, which is actually economic research and actually investing. Wisely, from a geographic perspective, and from a type of property perspective, from a financial perspective, you bring that all to the table, and you just trust your. You can't go wrong. Well, you could, but with a bit of uh, research and savvy behind you, and and people who've walked before you, you know that the chances of going wrong are, are, are very slim.
0: Yeah, I think that um, when you when you consider that you had first off you had the experience called I've got this house that's giving me cash flow it's paid for cool lots of people going into real estate don't have that they actually may have an existing home where they have a mortgage that kind of feels like it's you know part of an anchor tied to their asses in yeah. terms of growth so you had that but then you came into the rain room and you actually got social proof that from others that real estate was effective and that it worked and then you grew into it from there now you live you live in downtown Toronto still today
1: yeah yeah i i I live and you talk about going back to that time and where there are fears around real estate there were but again what i found so fresh about the rain perspective was that don was able to come into a room and do do their research and and able to say right here at the time i remember he said wallace emerson junction in toronto leslieville he said those those are the spots He also said Hamilton and various other towns that the general media kind of scoffed and and, um, didn't take too kindly. But he said the research shows these are the towns and these are the areas. And when you look at what the research was behind that, all the economic fundamentals, right, you know, uh, GDP growth, job growth, all that, all those fundamentals, you just you just knew you were onto something good. And uh, although I didn't buy in Toronto at the time, you know, I was buying. I was being more. Let's I guess say I wanted to buy in Hamilton because properties were cheaper and and learn my skill there. Um, but I was always living in downtown Toronto, uh, renting for a good few years. Um, but ultimately, actually, where did I buy in? Right in the centre of Wallace Emerson. <laughs> well done. Bought there about ten years ago, and. Um, you know, it's it's amazing watching this neighborhood, and actually being in this neighborhood and seeing that transition is great for me. Now to be able to see it happen in other areas and, and and spot opportunities in other areas.
0: Now you have, and because you're in downtown, you've created quite a level of expertise in of downtown Toronto. I know that in given the market today, a lot of people are talking about how buying downtown Toronto doesn't make sense and you know you can't get cash flow and you got to go elsewhere you know just because we're in the conversation right now and this isn't about investing anywhere but how do you given the market today as a realtor and as an investor how do you kind of answer those questions or that pushback about I'm not investing there's no way to invest in downtown Toronto how do you see that world now this many years later
1: it still works in Toronto. You can still make a property work. Uh, we just p- picked up one again last summer, and, and again, being a realtor, I have opportunities you know available to me because it, it, it makes sense, right. We see the opportunities first. Sure. Right, we are sitting at the table with those, you know, moms and pops. We're saying we need to get to X by such and such amount of time. Here's what we want. So you're actually the first person sitting in front of those opportunities. So I saw one of those last summer, and uh, with your standard uh, financing, it it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, it's not it's not cash flowing crazy. It's pretty much break even. Um, but the way I see it, it's downtown Toronto. Give that two or three decades and see where that that asset is from a, an appreciation perspective. Yeah, I'll take those all day long.
0: So you, you know, what you just said there was because I, we have a lot of real estate investors that listen to this. I mean, you just you know, you just said let me look at that at 10, 20, 30 years. Do you think that, you know, that's an interesting timeline? You, I don't often hear investors think in those terms, by the way. I often hear people talk about 5 and 10 years. Do you think in general uh, that investors often have too short a timeline from your point of view, given what you've seen over the years and the investors that you've worked with?
1: It depends what what they want out of it, right? If they get their appreciation and their cash flow and what their goal was getting into it, if they if that's achieved in five years, wonderful. My game is, uh, and other than the two flips I had um, and for other reasons, what wanted to get out of those, everything I've ever bought, we've hung on to. Other than my, other than Ireland, but my game plan is never sell, yeah. because that's an asset, and it's not just for for me, and retirement and my family, but it's for my the next generation.
0: So you're a buy and hold. Uh, you're a buy and hold investor, and uh, you've done some short term stuff, but primarily you're buy and hold, and primarily, yeah. Now, yeah. what about your wife? does she does she participate in the in your world of investing? Because I often see because we have such a diverse view of the world, given the number of investors that we deal with, the number of years that rain has been around, we often see real divergence in belief systems between significant others of real estate investing. And tell me a little bit about you and your relationship with your wife in terms of that. Was, is she a, is she a cheerleader for you or is she?
1: She's a cheerleader. Yeah. She is a cheerleader. Yeah. And she's great. Um, I met Darcy actually tomorrow, 10 years ago, I think it is. Yeah. March 17th, 10 years ago, the same, the same time I got my real estate license and started down the road of being a realtor. Yeah. She's a cheerleader. She's fantastic. And she, you know, she's very much involved with the day to day. I try and hand off actually a lot of, let's say, management issues or things that come up. I'll hand them off to her um, just so she knows what's going on in the business. She knows the day to day. She understands dealing with tenants and and, and organizing stuff, you know, because, you know, I I lost a mother at a very young age. I understand that I may not be here always, you know. So anyways, yes, she's very involved. She's a cheerleader. She's wonderful. Uh, If we could, we'd be buying a property every six months, every month. You know,
0: so she's like a she's an operational partner for you, really, too. She supports because as a realtor, there's always the back end stuff that goes on, whether it's be returning emails, phone calls, all of that stuff. Does she does she play that role for you as well, Donald?
1: No, no, her date, her, she's a nurse. Oh, she's a nurse. Okay. A nurse at Sick Kids in the ICU.
0: Gotcha. So when you were became into the world of being a realtor, you've supported real estate investors along the way. Do you see that same, what I, what I call a just a divergence in views of the world between couples of real estate investing. Do you see that show up for you? The reason I I shine a light on it because I see it as a block often. When I'm talking to rain members and I'm coaching and I'm supporting things that are going forward as I dig into things on a coaching call with somebody, what I ultimately will often discover is that there's a misalignment in values of risk and money and real estate and what we should do and what we shouldn't do and i'm just wondering if if you're if you have a similar experience when you're dealing with couples that you're looking for real estate deals for under whatever whether it be an investor or even a home perhaps
1: that's probably one of the reasons why i work um 80 with sellers
0: oh. <laughs> isn't, isn't that interesting? i am
1: I, I am very selective with my buyers um and I you know I'm very passionate about this thing, real estate, as you obviously know, and I'm very passionate about imparting that story of where I came from and what it will do to you. so if 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 I find I'm, I'm you know uh, my message is not coming across, what can I do? Is that what the question, is that where you're going about if I'm dealing with a client and they just don't understand? Well, I think it's
0: a little bit, I think it's a bit of both, you know, what do you do? But do you see it? Do you see where that gets in the way of people actually being successful as real estate investors? Uh, I see it far too often from my point of view. So I'm just wondering, do you, do you sometimes see the same thing or is that a, have been has that been an experience for you?
1: Yes, it has. Yeah, yeah. Now, now that said, downtown Toronto, I, you're right, a lot of people don't. Don't invest down here. They have to be really passionate and understand that, that vision of 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I'd, I'd see it in myself sometimes too, right? I, I, again, like I mentioned, I live in that, that duality world where I'm, I'm the nurturer and need to do my analysis, but I'm also an entrepreneur. So I move at a pace, probably slower than I would really like to. But, but yeah, we all have our roadblocks.
0: How, how important, because, you know, this, this many years in you've had, you know, you've experienced a, a great, uh, great degree of success. Uh, you continue to love what you do. How important has it been and how important do you see as just a general mindset uh, from a real estate investor point of view? Are you consciously and often working, developing that kind of personal development, that mindset attitude? Are you really aware of that? Do you study, read that?
1: Is that, that has to be number one. That has to be number one, fundamentally.
0: Yeah, and what do you do to kind of support that you know, growth of your for yourself?
1: Um, I do a lot of education. Um, I do find the company that I'm with as a realtor. You know, they, they they've actually won from an educational um, institution. They 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 um, they've come out tops uh, for several years. Um, with a particular institution in the States, they're big on that, right? If you're not, if your mind's not growing, then you will not grow, okay? If you don't grow, your wealth won't grow. And I mean wealth in the wholesome the wholesome perspective, not just financial, mm-hmm. but your life, right? Those around you. So it, it, your mindset is key. And, and they, they released a book 20 years ago and it's considered the Bible. It's called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. And the first third of that book is all about mindset. Um, what do I do? I mean, I should do a lot more. Um, you know, everything from, from from journaling, trying to do, you know, your three gratitudes every every morning. Um, look back in the past 24 hours. What's the most positive thing that happened? A random acts of kindness, you know. I do them all, but not as consistently as as I would like to. But yeah, your mindset is 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 crucial, and 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 I know that. Uh, I come from my family. Let's say if if we look at my family, uh, there would be, and I, and I'm big on this and giving back to this. Uh, there is an element of mental illness, okay. And I think it's great in our society today that 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 actually people are starting to discuss this. So. Yeah, if if you've got something going on in your mind that's dragging you down, if you can't get out of it, then how, how do you move forward? So mindset is key.
0: You've been a RAIN member for a long time. So let's just talk a bit about RAIN because I'm interested now because you've been a RAIN member for, let's say, a dozen years at least. Mm-hmm. And when you look at where you were with RAIN when you started, and where you are with rain today your relationship to the community your relationship to rain what's shifted what do you see for you that you know have you have you grown the education what is it that you get out of rain today 12 years later that you let's say you know maybe you didn't get when you first started or what why do you keep coming back to rain what do you get out of rain uh, that you know when people are are looking at the community and looking at the education what do you get out of rain these days?
1: So again, it's the mindset, right? It's it's um, rubbing your shoulders against. Uh, I mean, I consider myself a very, a very uh, small fish. You know, I'm I'm doing okay. You know, I'm doing well. Sure. You know. Um, but I'm moving along, and I'm enjoying things. Uh, for me, day one, it was the research that that Rain did, uh, and the mindset. So you know, I w- like I say, in my early twenties, I was going through a lot of, a lot of grief, you could say. So I was I was a lost little puppy. So to have been to have entered into a, a world like that, and I considered it a safe world. You know, my 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 BS meter is fairly sharp; always has been. And like I say, I ran from a lot of rooms. Because I just knew it was not cool what, what some folks were, were, A, what they were saying, and, and, and B, how, how to invest in real estate. And I just, I entered that room and I knew it was a safe room. So it was, it was a great place to be exposed to that world, that entrepreneurial world of, okay, that, that, how do I grow my mindset? How do I create a vision out of where I want to go? That was huge. And then the research behind that. So again, I'll come back to mindset is number one. If you don't have mindset and, and and that's key if we're not educating ourselves there or growing there and then but then behind that were the systems and the research and the know-how. so that's where the engineers st- stepped in, right and could understand that too. but I was an engineer who had never really been exposed to a world where you know you take you take a break and you sit back and you go, okay, in the areas of my life, you know job, money, charity, family, music where do I see myself in five years? What does that look like? You talked
0: earlier about vision, what we refer to often as a Belize. We give it a context called what's your Belize. Did you go through that process early on of actually creating your Belize and and looking at it? And then now that you reflect on it, how important was it to you to actually do that? And, and how did you do against it now this many years later? <laughs>
1: Well yeah, I was young and yeah, I wanted four thousand two hundred and twenty-three properties or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Crazy, crazy number, right? You know. But the fact of doing that and just taking those first steps and taking action. So no matter where your vision is, you know, as long as you aim high and you you, you scratch somewhere along there, you're moving forward. So the the blaze was very important. What I wrote down, um is not so important, but what was important at the time was actually taking the time to, to, to create that vision and then take the steps, the action steps, the baby steps to you know, buy my first, uh, Hamilton townhome for $107,000.
0: Amazing. Hey, do you still own that property by any chance? Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, you do. Uh, yeah. and you're happy you do. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that was the ball out of the park. The first yeah. one.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so, how the reason I'm I'm having this conversation is that in the world of real estate investing, and and this is part of the what we you know what I call my Rain series, my, my Rain member series, where we're tapping into members. I like to dig into you know what you get out of the your I guess investment of time and money into a thing called Rain. And how important has it been to be in a community of like minded people? I, I, I get different views of that world from different people. I, I would like to hear from you because a dozen years later and you're, you're doing what you're doing, how important has the community been to supporting your success? How big a part of it has it been for you?
1: Uh, very important. Um, I should probably go more often to the monthly meetings, uh, but being that young daddy or daddy of a young kid, yeah, I don't go as often as I should, but if I go back to the days of 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 you know when I when I would go to the monthly meetings, the community the community was huge and is huge, and it's it's all about hanging out with people you want to I don't want to say become like you know because everyone has their own identity and I don't like anyone to change, but just to learn it's it's education.
0: So what are you giving guidance because you've done some coaching? in, in the past, I believe, but when you're giving real estate investors, you know, now in 2019, when you're asking, when you're suggesting or making suggestions to them, what are, what is it that real estate investors need to know? What are you telling new investors today about real estate and why it's important and how they approach it? Do you have a, do you have a view that you share with others when they're just starting out in the world of real estate investing?
1: Well, I, I I always come back to that story that got me into real estate, right? That insight of, of of what a property, you know, 20, 25 years, once the mortgage is done, what that can do for not only them, but for, you know, they could be a young couple, they haven't had kids yet, right? So I always come back to that story and just just get into the market. That's the important thing.
0: What's been, I mean, in the world of real estate investing, there's always shit that happens and you know stuff comes off the rails what's been your what's been your i guess we'll call it a, what's your biggest failure do you have one that stands out that you went oh my gosh i just absolutely blew that one
1: um i joined ventured um and my bad my responsibility but speaking of off the rails i joined went ventured with um with uh, some folks who went off the rails
0: and that was just you not paying attention to the details, or was it you too trusting? What was what was too it trusting,
1: that- uh, and yes, uh, having the blinkers on a bit, you know, as well. Uh, and I don't put any blame on anyone else. That's look, that's my gig. I chose to go down that route. That's that's totally. Um, I accept full responsibility for that.
0: Do you think that you, when you reflect on that, Donald? Do you think that that at some point actually? Could be considered a blessing in disguise that failure, because what you learned from it probably protected you from either getting in deeper and or a reoccurring. That obviously it's made you more savvy or more uh, committed to doing diligence and choosing your partners differently. Would that be? Could you? Would you consider it that way in reflection? Oh, of
1: course, yeah, no, it, it, it definitely has. But the and uh, yeah, of course. It, but the programming of that has actually made the pendulum swing mm. probably for a good reason maybe now um because i am finding you know I, I, everything i've done myself has been on my own capital right um so i've been very reluctant to get into joint ventures for the last decade because of that right um
0: so in your world arguably that may have Held you back from actually growing your portfolio more than you potentially could. Yes,
1: but maybe that was a good thing. Sure. Because I have grown my portfolio now. I'm at that point where I know how the game works. you know. And, and yes, if I, if I were accepting somebody's, let's say, capital right now to help them get into the market and teach them how to, to grow their wealth in real estate, I would be proceeding very cautiously and cautiously and doing a lot of due diligence and of course the you know the 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 rain joint venture uh, success secrets handbook and everything like that I'd be going back to that pulling that out and saying okay page 1 <laughs> you know but I'd say yes it was a good thing but also it has stunted me
0: was there a point that you arrived at or I don't want to say arrived but can you reflect or see where there was a tipping point that actually, you know, when you're, when you're climbing a hill, you get to the top and then you just peak it and you come down the other side. It's a lot easier going down the other side because that you've, you've hit that peak or that tipping point and now you get to go the other way. Have you feel like you've, there has been that in, in, in the past?
1: In what respect? In, In what area? In, in real estate investing or?
0: Sure. Whatever area you want, you know, maybe you've got two or three areas to share, but you know, have you, have you hit some tipping points that you're just really feel some momentum, some velocity or some relief? Maybe that's what it is for
1: you. Yeah. Um, God, there'd be a couple. Um, I, I, I think when I really started to feel comfortable because, because uh, you know, did Hamilton, did the Edmonton thing, Edmonton thing back in 2007 and 2008, did that. And then the next one was buying our principal residence. And I remember buying that and it was poor shape, let's say, and renovating it and moving in. And we renovated it as a duplex, getting income from the basement. Then what was the next step? Okay. And I spent, again, that at high S, right, high C, it took me forever. And I I remember flying to Edmonton. I remember looking at buildings. Um, I remember putting an offering on a a multiplex in London. And then I remember it was 2015, it was the summer and I kind of said to myself, why don't I just buy in my backyard? (laughs) You know, sometimes we're, you know, we're we're our own worst, we're idiots. Yeah, sure. No, you know, I was I was drinking the Kool Aid of Toronto's too expensive, and no, no, that can't work.
0: I just say that's interesting. You know, you're you're there, you're in it, and you're looking outside of your backyard. I mean, and and yeah. that could be good too. But, anyways, you had the realization that why do that when I can invest in my own backyard.
1: Well, well I think my vision was I wanted I wanted the, the sexiness of a ten plex or something like that or fifteen plex, something like that, which you could do I could do with what I was able to afford in, in Edmonton or wherever. And then I just kind of shook my head and said, look, you can do the same with three units in Toronto that you can do in Edmonton with with 10 or so, right? Sure. And and I just I put that that kind of that vision board thing, put it aside and said, look, it doesn't have to be that for now. Started focusing in Toronto. And I think it was within a week or two of finding out that my wife was pregnant. I went out, looked at a property, said, This is the one, made an offer, secured it. You know, I I remember my wife said, I said, I came back in that day, said, I think I found the house. We're buying a house, we're buying an investment property. And she said, You only needed to buy a crib. You didn't need to buy it a house. (laughs) (laughs) Was her joke. Um, That's great. And I think once I got that up and running, uh, we purchased that. It had the bones of a triplex. We went in and you know rejigged some things, and, and we got three one-bedroom units out of it, and it cash flowed. And it was really solid house, detached in a great neighborhood. And I went in there, and I feel I got it at under market value because of a poor realtor on the selling side. Strategy was poor, and the fam- it was on the market for a while, so the family started to sweat a bit. Once I got that up and running, I, I, that for me was a tipping point. Hmm. Right. Uh, so to do the next one after that didn't take as long.
0: So a little bit of analysis paralysis early on, a little bit of you know lack of clarity oh, yes. around some stuff. Yeah, that yeah. engineer that that you know, you know, I I often joke about engineers, but I mean, there's such an important part of you know a way of thinking. I mean, it's but it it does. I see it with. Uh, rain member engineers that they do have a tendency to really in some cases overthink and that can slow yeah. them down and that's a little bit of what you're at the effect of yeah yeah so when you're 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 help them, you're, you're, <laughs> God help them absolutely <laughs> now i mean you work with lots of people you work with lots of real estate investors you know if you're giving guidance is there is there a common i don't know um is there a common mistake or misstep that you see being made? Is it, you know, like, for example, is it overanalysis? Is it lack of preparation? Is it moving too fast? Is there anything that you see as a, you know, if you were guiding people that are just starting out, what, what what are some of the things that you would want to caution them against?
1: It's the mindset.
0: What does that mean? So what does it mean when you talk about mindset? What does it mean? You got to be real positive they, or.
1: They, they don't fully believe that this is the right avenue, let's say, for, for. I, I, let's assume that it's for long-term wealth that they're getting into this, right? There's, there's a bit of a, um, a question mark over what they're doing. Too much risk. So the risk adversity could be something, which of course, again, is mindset. I've struggled with it, but when I just, you know, get over it and go for it, it works out. And I think it's, it's that belief of will it work out, that, that uncertainty, that's what holds people back.
0: So really, and in, often that is the case of evidence. People want evidence that it's working. I mean, as a as a real estate investor yourself, as a realtor, I mean, you can now provide a lot more evidence. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I see, and, and tell me how you view it, is that fundamentally, often people don't understand the difference between a realtor that's investor-focused and, and a realtor that is just selling the next house. And so if you're an investor that, or if you have a mindset or an intention of being a real estate investor, part of what you need to do is actually align with a realtor who's investor focused. Would that be a fair statement? Because there is, in my experience, there's quite a a, a different view of the world between somebody who's selling a house and somebody who's helping an investor buy an investment property.
1: Yeah. Well, well, it's the same. It's the same. Uh, if you were, if you were hiring a lawyer, right? You know, do you need a criminal lawyer uh, or do you need a real estate lawyer? What's their focus?
0: Do you, you know, speaking of lawyers, which then triggered, you know, for me the thought process around a team. And as a realtor, you're from from an investor. You're an integral part or a very important part of a team. And how do you see where not having the right team gets in the way of some of your clients. Perhaps have you had that experience? Because you're really at the you know you're part you're of that center. You're at the center, right? Because okay, I've got this deal, and you know they're tripping over it because they they're uncertain. They don't have the right mortgage broker. They don't have an accountant. They don't have a lawyer.
1: <laughs> happened to me. Yeah. So <laughs> happened to me even last year on that purchase. In what way? Well, how did what uh, happened? I, I, for you we all know how difficult the financing world is right now. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah. So, so the
0: financing world, what, what, what about it? Let's, let's really dig into it. Were you just not prepared? Did you not have your paperwork? Did you not, were you, were you not up to speed? Too with many properties.
1: Too much real estate? So, so the, 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 the A institutions putting limitations on how many properties, they, they put a cap and they were, in some cases, certain institutions reduced that number.
0: How important is a mortgage broker versus dealing with the bank for you? From your
1: it's, perspective? it's vital, right? I wouldn't have bought that house last year, so I was dealing with one broker. You know, is fantastic, wonderful mortgage broker. But when my back was against the wall and I, I couldn't get anywhere, or that person couldn't get with 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 the avenues with his institutions, I, I went to the Vine Group of Rain.
0: This is something that I stress a lot and I push it, you know, I, gosh, I say this from stage all the time is that the soapbox that I always stand on is number one, as a real estate investor, make sure you're dealing with a realtor that is investor focused. And generally, because there are a number of realtors in the rain room, that's where you should start, you know, because they're going to speak the same language. They're going to have this, you know, the same, they're going to share common values, common understanding. And then the next part of that is, an investor focused broker, because they're not all, not all mortgage brokers are created equal in terms of what they do. I mean, lots of brokers just love the bread and butter where, you know, it's easy to get a mortgage for a home. If it's your, it's easy. I say it's far easier than on an investor. You know, that's, that's easy kind of stuff to do. But when you get into owning, you know, a number of properties, things get complex as you experienced.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was at a RAIN meeting and I, I just popped up, um, well, popped over to the Vine group, uh, spoke with, um, fantastic gentleman. He said, let me see what I can do for you within a week. Um, we had financing within a institution. Wow. And that's, and that's the like, difference so I,
0: right there. Yeah. <laughs> it happened to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? If it's happening to me. It's happening to a lot of people where they don't have the right uh, people who are focused in investment wise it's fine for the first few properties we get it but as, as you start to grow a portfolio you need that team around you same for accountants right um you need somebody who's who's dealing with uh clients who have your portfolio plus 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 plus, plus right if you want to grow right the, the, that needs to be their clientele so
0: so as we start to, you know, wind down uh, our conversation a little, a little bit here, Donald, there's there's a couple things, you know, you, you talked about mindset a lot and, and you know, you talked earlier on about Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one of the books that was kind of pivotal in your life at the time. What are you reading these days? What are you, what's your kind of favorite book that you're reading? It doesn't have to be mindset, but what is your favorite book that you're reading uh, or a, a book that you have read that was impactful besides Rich yeah. Dad? Yeah
1: there um there's one book called the one thing yeah i don't know if you've heard about that book of course sure the one by by gary keller the founder of keller williams that's just a great book to help with with focus right And, and it boils down to what's the one thing you can do today that will make most of everything else um unnecessary easier or unnecessary
0: so, speaking of one thing, uh, what do you continue to do that you really don't like to do, but you do it anyways because you're good at it?
1: Well, my my number one job description is uh, lead generation in my real in my realtor world.
0: Okay, but do you do it because you like to do it, or do you do it because you you don't like to do it, but you're good at it?
1: um you fall in love and out of love with that every so often so if you saw me out in uh the snow blizzard uh two weeks ago door knocking yeah that was a day where i'd said i would have actually you know what to be to be honest with you i, I actually did love it right <laughs> there you go uh, it's, it's the heat of the summer that that drives me nuts but i try and do um a couple of hours a day of lead generation be it Out on the doors, door knocking, or following up with the leads that that I've, I've, I've generated, um, and then appointments. Right, if I'm not doing those three things, my business is not moving forward.
0: Do you have a favorite inspirational
1: quote? Oh, you put me on the spot there. There's many, right? Oh God. Uh, B, do have
0: what profession other than a realtor would you do you think you'd take on? I'm, I'm i'm not I, I i think i know what i would say about you but i don't
1: know that oh oh yeah uh, well yeah if money weren't the answer i'd, I'd be a full-time producer slash musician yeah
0: you wouldn't be a rock star yeah. except for you'd have to grow yeah. your hair longer Both um, you and I are as, we'll as i say, at say that. to
1: people one 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 uh one feeds the mouth and one feeds the soul if heaven exists
0: what would you like to hear god say when you get to the gates
1: get back down there <laughs> get back down there
0: <laughs> your time isn't right there's a good answer for
1: you yeah, yeah do you have
0: a favorite swear word
1: uh can I say it sure <laughs> no it's an Irish one actually uh, apparently the story behind it was this is how they got uh, F-U-C-K uh, past the um, censorship in England they used the word feck a lot
0: uh-huh. I wasn't, F-E-C-K
1: I, yeah so if you if you type into if you type into uh google type in father father ted and pull up an any episode it's back from the 90s it's a very hilarious sitcom it produced actually in england but it's about three irish priests so you'll see in that show that word used a lot and it's innocuous right it's not a sure. real word it's very yeah. innocuous so that that would be it i'd say what
0: do you have a uh, do you have a favorite tune given you're a musician
1: is there i didn't expect that last one by the way patrick
0: I, well that's okay that's all <laughs> that's what it's all about man keep you on your toes oh, I'm, fi- um, I'm finished yet i'm gonna probably throw you another couple of curveballs just because i that's think it's great i love it.
1: i love the curveballs uh favorite tune Whew, that's so hard i'll go with something that uh i sing most every evening to my my son it wouldn't be my favorite song but but i i do for for many Emotional reasons—it's it's definitely up there because it has a certain emotion to it. So the night my mother died, uh, I sang this song to her. Um, she was very—she was in a coma, but I knew it was. She could tell it was me saying goodbye and, and her saying goodbye to me. It's the last track on U2's *The Unforgettable Fire*. It's called *MLK*, which of course stands for Martin Luther King, and it's a lullaby that uh, that U2 wrote for 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 martin luther king cool as, as a kind of a you know um rest now r.i.p
0: do you have a favorite movie that's
1: heavy sorry
0: that's not at all that's i think that's great i love that <laughs> favorite movie
1: again some of the odder irish ones from the 90s yeah, I know you're thinking there, Patrick, and then there. Come on now, we've a bit of a timeline here, don't Bit of a timeline <laughs> on a clock here. If you didn't notice, <laughs> you,
0: um, have, the movie that I'm loving these days, and I keep sharing it, and, and at some point it'll get old, but is yeah. uh yeah. And I've just lost the name of it with Freddie Mercury, Rhapsody, uh Queen.
1: Oh, bo- Bohemian Rhapsody.
0: Bohemian Rhapsody. Love yeah. that movie. Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. Dude,
1: no. you're missing out. You got to see it. Everybody's got to see uh, that movie. I'll see it. I'll see it for sure. I think um, there's an Irish actor named Brendan Gleeson. Actually, yeah, here's a good one. Uh, movies for me, it's 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 either crime ones, crime dramas, or funny Irish kind of funny witch English humor. There's a, there's a great one called In Bruges.
0: In Bruges. Have
1: cool. you ever seen that one? No, I can't say as I have. In Bruges, you should check that movie. It's Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. It's just a great entertaining uh, movie. And it's just hilarious. And Brendan Gleeson's in it, who's my favorite actor. And uh, maybe why our son's name is Gleeson.
0: There you go. Oh, (laughs) I never even thought of that. So tell me, uh, okay, so here's a question that I wouldn't ask anybody else yet. I haven't ever, um, because I haven't had a a, a true Irishman on on, on the podcast. Beer or whiskey?
1: Mm, it, seeing as I don't drink beer, it would have to be whiskey,
0: ah, okay. I just <laughs> thought you know <laughs> the 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 reputation of an Irishman you know precedes I'm Irish too by the way, but I'm not from ireland Patrick Francie, of course, yeah, and so uh i I myself uh and buy whiskey, but i I certainly enjoy a beer too,
1: so that's cool. What are you grateful for uh my my wife and my son number one,
0: yeah, family's pretty important. Donald, I'm yeah. always grateful to have a uh, Rain member guest on. I'm glad we were able to do that show, the show today. So thank you very much for that. I too am grateful for my family. And uh, I'm grateful for the insights you shared today and the time you took to be here and uh, to share with the listeners. So thank you very, very much.
1: Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm very humbled to be on here. Thank you, Patrick. It's very nice. Thanks, pal.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at canada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick O.